ready to go. The lovely Julia is on the phone. Phone lines are open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. You have pain concerns, pain questions, anything under that uh, rather large umbrella. Dr. Lou is here to answer all of your questions. We get into a few cases a week that was over the last uh, little while at the clinic. What's going on, pal? Not too much. Actually, before before we get started with mm-hmm. cases, I don't usually do this, but I want to plug something only because I had a very, very uh, good experience. I was in Niagara Falls earlier this week uh, with uh, my family, and we were at Copacabana. The Isn't that Brazil- a uh, Brazilian? I've never yeah, the done. Brazilian Steakhouse, and oh. uh, uh, we got to meet the one of the managers there, and... Uh, just an overall great experience, and I, you know, I don't ever do this, but I, I told them that I wanted to plug the place because, you know, part of pain management is also being happy, getting out there, going mm-hmm. to good places. I would recommend to anybody that's in the Niagara area for sure go go out to check out Copacabana. The atmosphere is an awesome, and you know, if you if you do have pain, chances are you're going to forget about it while you're there. Don't they just kind of keep bringing you meat? Yeah, they do, but oh, you know, yeah, it, it, yeah, you know, from from a diet perspective, obviously, you have to gauge yourself anywhere you go. But it's called uh, keto. It couldn't be better. Yeah, the the environment, though, the people there, just oh. absolutely amazing. And yeah, I wanted to to just quickly say that. As I said, I don't really like to you know plug people unless they really deserve it. But for whatever reason, they they very much deserved it this uh, past week. So yeah, go check out Copacabana. Mm, Barry Manilow loved it. What <laughs> uh, what's going on this week? Uh, lots of stuff. I figured uh, one thing that I wanted to definitely talk about was uh, knee pain. I, f- I feel like we, on the show, we get a lot of calls about back and neck, neck. pain, yeah. obviously, uh, and then shoulder and hips. So everything kind of more concentrated uh, in towards the body more medially. Uh, but, you know, uh, a lot of knee cases come through the clinic. And then I was thinking this week, you know, we should probably talk about knee stuff because there's a lot of people that suffer from these things and there's a whole bunch of different things that can happen in the knee it's not just uh one thing one of the more common uh things that happens in the knee is called runner's knee or patellofemoral pain syndrome which a lot of people uh have it's kind of a wastebasket term and and what i mean by that is anytime someone has knee pain you you want to rule out that it's not a meniscal issue and it's not a ligament issue because those are uh the more serious, more important things to just make sure are still in good working order. And once you've been able to eliminate um, a diagnosis of either a meniscal issue or some type of ligamentous issue, which is like the ACL, the PCL, uh, and that stuff, um, you are sometimes left with people who still have knee pain, uh, but don't have any issues in those areas. And that is often due to a, a patellofemoral pain syndrome, which is just really a tracking issue with the patella. And it's very, very common. Um, where would the pain be? How would it feel? Yeah, and I was just going to get into that. So more classically with patellofemoral pain and runner's knee, people will say that they have pain on the inside of the knee. Um, and they'll also, there's a couple of, um, you know, um, really textbook types of signs and symptoms that go along with it. One of them is called moviegoer sign. What moviegoer sign is, is when you're wow. sitting for a long period of time and you feel like you have to kick your knee out because keeping a bent is uh, is bothersome. Also, walking up the stairs and down the stairs really tends to aggravate this type of issue. Um, and so those are two of the things that are, are pretty textbook with uh, runner's knee. Uh, it's often related to running, obviously, hence why the, the more lay term for it is runner's knee. Um, and people do feel it usually after the run or... St- for how long? 
It depends. It depends on what at what point it's getting aggravated. I've met a lot of people that it hurts right away, but then as they get going, it gets better. Other people I've met, uh, it hurts as they increase their activity. One of the things that I could tell you about patella femoral pain is it is more common in women because women have wider pelvises. And what that does, it changes the cue angle of the quadriceps and how the patella would track up and wow. down. So, um, you know, that is something, again, a very, very common issue. But, you know, with the knee, you also obviously always have to consider uh, some type of a ligamentous injury. So ACL, PCL. Uh, the ACL is most often injured. Now, we've had cases where uh, people have a completely torn ACL and they don't want to have surgery to repair it. Boy. That doesn't mean that, you, that it's impossible. Mm -hmm. When you understand the function of the ACL... Uh, all it's doing is preventing the tibia, which is the lower bone, uh, from shearing forward on the femur. There's another structure that prevents that same thing, and it's called the hamstrings, where they attach. So one of the things with people who want to opt out of surgery, or even people who do do surgery and then the rehab uh, for ACL stuff, is getting a good, strong hamstring, because it also prevents that anterior shear wow. of the tibia. So we've had uh, a few patients who have opted out of surgery, uh, and just focused on very good rehabilitation. And you know what? They're back to their sport. They're back to doing the things that they do. Uh, they'll often wear a brace just for a little more security uh, during those events. Uh, but some people, again, just are, are not, um, you know, uh, wanting to go for surgery. Uh, ha having said that, you know, if you do have a completely torn ACL, I think surgery is definitely an option to consider. Uh, then you get into, as you get into the older population, the thing that's more common is that the knee wears down, obviously. There's a lot of degeneration that can happen. And when it becomes pretty significant, it can start affecting the meniscus. And these are the cases when it's bone on bone, uh, where knee replacement is very, very good uh, for eliminating that type of pain. Now, again, you don't need to necessarily jump to that, and it does need to be a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, so you have to determine how severe the degeneration is and how much that degeneration is contributing to your pain levels. But definitely wear and tear in the knee uh, does tend to contribute to pain levels. And, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, does degeneration equal pain? And, right. and especially in the spine, we've kind of said, well, it depends. In the knee, it's where when it is significant, it does contribute a little bit more to pain levels. And so there are some different things, whether it's, you may want to start with an injection uh, or just some therapy right. uh, and then eventually progressing towards. But I can tell you that when it is bone on bone, severe bone on bone, uh, a knee replacement is, is a great option to consider and people end up feeling much, much better after it's done. So uh, lots of things to consider when you have knee pain. Uh, and I guess what I wanted to highlight with knee pain is not all knee pain is the same, although it may, you and I may have knee pain and it may be happening in the exact same spot and it, we may describe it the same way. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the exact same thing. There's so many different uh, anatomical structures to consider that might be affected. And in doing so, that's where you need a good uh, person, a good practitioner to figure that out. And so I wanted to really highlight that because I do see a lot of people with knee pain that are misdiagnosed. They're told one thing and it's really another thing. And what do I always say? That your diagnosis is going to dictate the treatment. And if you're wrong on the diagnosis, likely you're going to be wrong on the treatment. Take a short break. You have questions uh, in that regard or anything else, any other uh, maladies or concerns you want to talk about, bring them on. We're here till 1 o'clock, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. It is uh, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Book that free consultation uh, now. After the show, get it done. More of the Dr. Payne Show coming right up. Talk radio, AM640. Stevie in Etobicoke, good morning or good afternoon. How are you? Morning, gentlemen. How are you doing there? Good. What's uh, what's happening with you? 
Well, hey, uh, I've got a, I've been diagnosed with a, a tear in my meniscus, a partial tear in my back of my right knee. I think the term is it pos- posterior horn. Does that make sense? Yep, that uh, makes sense. Yep. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fellow in my early 50s, and I, I like to keep physically active. And I'm just wondering what the best treatment is uh, to pursue. I've heard about this. I believe it's, I might be saying this wrong, P- PRP, plasma. Yep. Uh, tra- yeah, the, and the injections, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, and then I've heard about, uh, forgive me again, is it Synvisc or something? It's an injection for the knee. Yep. Uh, I just wanted to know what your thoughts are. Uh, it's wear and tear, I guess, over time. It's not an acute injury, and... Uh, any insights would be appreciated. Sure. What have you tried so far? Uh, you know what? The only thing I've done is I've stopped running a couple of years ago, and I do I just do low impact aerobic activity like rollerblading. And, okay. Uh, and no and no therapy, nothing like that. No. Okay. I mean, I tried physical therapy, but uh, it, it didn't seem to be helpful. Okay. So then, yeah. Usually, I mean, as a general rule, again, everything has to be case by case, and I obviously have not assessed you. But as a general rule, what I would say is, when you're looking at something like the knee and a and a, and a tear in the posterior horn, um, you'd you'd want to try from most conservative to most invasive in terms of treatment options. Most conservative being therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's uh, modality based work like a tens machine or laser ultrasound, depending on you know what other structures are affected if that's not working that's where you know maybe an injection is an option and then if the injections don't work that's when maybe surgery is the option so usually that would be the way as a general rule i would i would tell people to approach um, knee pain and specifically a tear of the meniscus if you haven't tried much good therapy i would say that's probably your best place to start because you can include a good rehab program in that um that could significantly help because the other thing that um you know, when there's a lot of wear and tear and when you're dealing with someone in their 50s such as yourself and you're looking at a tear, a tear in the meniscus at that age is almost like gray hair of the skeleton. And I use that example a lot for the low back. You have to be able to determine that that tear is the cause of the pain. You may have pain just because of other structures going on. And so that's where therapy may be a little more beneficial. And that's actually where prior to surgery where injections tend to help because a surgeon or someone can go in and be very specific with an injection. uh, And if it works, then you've isolated what the structure is. If it doesn't work, well, then the pain level might be due to something else. So does that kind of make sense? That kind of spectrum of of intervention should go from most um, uh, conservative to most invasive. Sure, it makes very good sense. Yeah. Give me a call uh, if you're looking for, um, you know, I, I actually work very closely with a couple of uh, uh, surgeons uh, and, and knee specialists. So uh, give me a call and we can uh, help push you in the right direction and, and get someone to see you. Can we get your number, doctor? Or? Sure. Yeah, if you got it, Steve, we'll give it to you right now. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. one 855 doctor Lou or info at paincarecanada.com. That is to uh, slide him an email. Anytime, Ali, how are you? Good. What's so? Uh, what's going on with you today? Uh, okay, so I, I, uh, I'm about uh, 48, and uh, I play a lot of ball hockey, or used to play a lot of ball hockey. And my, I had my uh, right knee uh, rebuilt, the ACL was torn. My left knee, every time I run now, I can feel pain in it. Okay. The question was, I, I got a tournament coming up next weekend. I, I haven't played for about six months now, but I got a tournament coming up next weekend. Is there some sort of shot I could take, um, something like that I could take that would you know, alleviate the pain and allow me to play a little bit more? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess theoretically you could go get some type of an injection that blocks 
uh, you know, your pain levels, I don't know how smart and prudent that is because all you're doing is when you're blocking, you know, pain is, we talk about pain on the show, obviously a lot, it being the Dr. Pain show, but pain serves a very important function in our lives. It lets us know that something is wrong. So to have a preemptive shot to prevent something, uh, all that may do is is block your levels when something might be, you know, usually people can stop doing something before it gets very bad because you start to feel pain. And that's what pain is really uh, designed for. So, I mean, could you get a cortisone injection? I, I don't know who would actually give you one as a preemptive um, stopping. I guess theoretically you could. Uh, but I would say that if, if this is an ongoing issue, uh, you know, number one, getting it checked out. The other thing that I would say is sometimes when you have things like that going on and you haven't done an activity for a very long time and then all of a sudden you're going to go back into it, you know, like in a tournament such as you're doing, that could potentially be a recipe for disaster because you go from not doing anything to doing a lot. And if you haven't necessarily worked into that or warmed up into those things, that's when things can go pretty wrong uh, with the, you know, the musculoskeletal system. So, could he wrap it maybe or put a, some sort of brace on it to... Yeah, I mean, again, it depends what the injury is due yeah. to. So, if so, let's say there is, you know, laxity in the in the ACL. Well, there there are braces that you know prevent shearing of the tibias that act like the ACL. Uh, if it's due to wear and tear of the meniscus, there are off- offloading braces that offload it. So, yeah, I, there are bracing options that need to be used, but you need to figure out exactly what the issue is first because, again, the different braces are designed for different things, and that right. goes back to uh, diagnosis dictates treatment, and, and, and a bracing is a type of treatment. So does that make sense, Ali? Yeah, it makes sense. I'm just trying to figure out what to do in the next week. Yeah, so, I mean, I, give, give us a call. We can take a look at it, figure it out, and then make some recommendations so that you can you know, enjoy your tournament and at least do some stuff that keeps you safe. But getting it checked out, I think, is uh, is the smartest thing at this point. Ali, again, one eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. Marilyn, good afternoon. How are you? Not bad. How are you? Okay. What's uh, what's going on with you today? I have inflammatory rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. On my right knee. If you put your hand on the right knee and you go to the left, it's all pain down in there. Now they say I have a narrowing of the knee. I'm supposed to go for an MRI. Mm. I had to be operated on over 30 years ago. I was cut from the top to the bottom, and it just took fluid off to me. I don't know what this is. Okay, so... Um, you know, one you bring up a, a very good uh, topic of discussion when we said that with the knee, there's a lot of things to consider. Mm-hmm. One of the things to consider, as you're bringing up, Marilyn, is is autoimmune causes to pain, such as rheumatoid arthritis. And when you're dealing with rheumatoid arthritis, again, the you know, when you look at arthritis in general, what arthritis are is you have two broad classes. You have the osteoarthritis, which is um, the thing, the wear and tear, just the natural stuff that will happen in our body. Mm-hmm. But on the other end, you have the autoimmune things that can cause arthritis, like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, ankylosing spondylitis, psoriatic arthritis. What these things are is essentially your body's immune system is attacking your joints and it's causing that joint to degenerate. So mm-hmm. the treatment has to be twofold. Number one, you have to treat the the autoimmune component where you know you have to try to stop the immune system from attacking the joint. If damage has been done from that attack well now you got to treat the joint damage which if in the knee it's severely degenerated we started the show by saying that potentially um you know a knee replacement is maybe something to consider so 
your your situation, Marilyn, is compounded by the fact that you have uh, something that's uh, autoimmune in nature going on, and you have to treat both the degenerative process and the autoimmune uh, process at the same time, or one after the other, whatever. It, it does need to be assessed um, to, to figure out exactly, but that, you know, is my best option. If you are in line for an MRI, that's definitely something you're going to need to assess the damage of the knee. And then from there, you'll you'll be able to weigh your treatment options. After you've had that MRI, if you'd like my opinion, uh, give me a call. Come come see me uh, at the clinic and, and get that second opinion that I offer so uh, we can go from there. Okay, thanks very much. No problem. Thank you, Marilyn. Have a, a wonderful afternoon. Thank you for your call and your calls as well. After a short break, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Info at paincarecanada.com. You want to uh, email Dr. Lou or uh, 1-855-55-DRLOU. Dr. Lou is the number to book that uh, free consultation. The Dr. Payne Show continues. Talk radio, AM 640. Dr. Payne is uh, is here to answer your calls. We get to uh, Lucy. Hello, Lucy. Hi. How are you? Uh, not bad, thanks. Okay, go ahead. What's Good your concern? Um, yeah, I am scheduled uh, for the 31st of August for a scope on my left knee. I've been having these terrible pains. I had MRIs done, mm-hmm. and both of them showed that they have tear in the meniscus. Yep. So uh, he's going to try to do the scope and see if it's going to work. Okay. And uh, then he says, if it doesn't, then we have to do the replacement. Yep, that's usually the, the right way to go about okay. it. Obviously, a scope is is much less invasive than yeah. uh, a, a full replacement, and it's a good place to start. What I can tell you that's interesting about knee scopes is, I forget exactly, but I guess it was the mid-2000s, they did a study where they looked at two groups of people that were suffering from uh, torn meniscus and degenerative degenerative meniscal changes going on. And these two groups of people were told that they were going to have a scope surgery. These two people were divided, or not two people, two groups of, Mm -hmm. of people were divided. One group actually had the scope surgery. The other group just simply had the slits put in and never had the scope. What they found was that the outcome, uh, 6, 12, and 18 months later, was the exact same in terms wow. of how people improved. What it did show was that the belief in 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 the surgery uh, was just as important as the surgery itself. So uh, that's something that I always uh, talk to people about, even when they are going for surgery. You can never, ever, ever discount how important the placebo effect is and how mm-hmm. important believing that whatever intervention you're going to do is going to help you because that's how strong the placebo effect is. So I think what you're doing, Lucy, is, is a good idea. You start with the scope. Be very positive about it. They've likely probably recommended uh, some physio for you as well. I would do those things as well. And hopefully after the scope, uh, you feel better and you don't have to go towards the replacement. Uh, but, you know, if you do, then those are options to consider for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did try. I did have physiotherapy uh, oh, uh, four times a week. Okay. And nothing helped. And if anything, made it w- worse. What were they doing? Oh, they were doing just the eyes and the heat. And yeah. So, so one of the things that's, you know, and it's unfortunate because the average person, it's not their responsibility to know what the right therapy is for their issue. Right. Uh, but, you know, I meet a lot of people who I say, okay, do some type of therapy. And they'll say exactly what you said. Oh, I've done therapy. I've done mm-hmm. four times a week for three months and I'm worse. And then I say, well, what did you do? And that becomes more important. One of the things that's very, very important in knee therapy that's often missed 
is rehabilitation of the vastus medialis, which is one of the quadricep muscles. It's the one that's on the inside, the most medial. It's the primary stabilizer of the knee. It becomes very, very important because as the primary stabilizer, in the event of any type of injury, like a torn meniscus, the stabilizing muscles are neurologically the first muscles that uh, it deactivate and don't work properly. You have to get those working properly again to really stabilize the knee and, and feel better. So, um, you know, it's a little bit hard to talk about on the radio. It'd be much easier to demonstrate. Uh, but, you know, there are good different therapies, physical therapies that can be done to help rehab that vastus medialis. And the outcomes are very, very good. So uh, I would say, you know, give me a call, Lucy, come see me. We can give you those exercises along with doing uh, the scope, and, and then hopefully that'll help the outcomes and you won't have to move towards the, a knee replacement. That number, Lucy, one eight five 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 five. Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, free consultation. Give them a call or email, info at paincarecanada.com. How many knee uh, cases do you see in an average week? Well, I told judge, you, based I, on these I, phone calls, I told you knees were a hot topic. Yeah. We just brought it up, and and everybody that's called, knee, I mean, knee complaints are are very very common for sure. Uh, you know, what are the most common musculoskeletal things that I see? Knees, low back, neck, shoulder are probably up there, and hips are are the most common. And then after that, I you know, f- foot issues. I see a ton of. Uh, uh, foot issues, uh, plantar fasciitis, fat pad syndromes, metatarsalgias, bunion problems, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, there's uh, there's no discrimination with pain. It, it affects your whole body. Is it's, it because the knee's a weird joint? It's a very, well, it's, yeah, it's a weird joint, but more important, more, I guess, relevant than it being weird is it's a hinge joint in between two mobile joints. How about that? So you have the hip and you have the ankle, which move in many different planes. Uh, but in between those, you have a hinge joint, which can only move one way. Right. So it takes a lot of strain because of that mechanical perspective. So from an engineering perspective, and engineers would understand this, that when you have two very mobile segments and a hinge segment in between, that hinge segment is going to take a lot of abuse. Uh, and not necessarily because of that actual segment, but because of the more mobile segment. So that's the reason why um, those issues are more common. And I mean, when you look at the upper extremity, the shoulder and the elbow are the same thing. They're very, very mobile. And the, or sorry, the the shoulder and the, the wrist. wrist are very, very mobile. And then the the elbow is just a hinge joint. However, we don't have the same amount of pain in that area because we're not touching, we're not on all fours, right? So there's no pressure put wow. down on on that. So, And that's why when you start playing racket sports like golf and tennis, why those injuries become so common. It's because the same thing. You're now using that mobile segment at the end, at the at the wrist, along with the mobile segment at the shoulder, and what takes the abuse, the, the hinge joint in between. So, yeah, very, very common issues uh, with knee problem is is looking. And that's one of the things when people come in, I always, always look at what their ankles and their hip are like. And and that's something that people are like, why are you looking there? No one else has ever looked there. And it's like, well, that's likely where your problems are originating from. You you may feel the pain in your knee, but you probably have a problem somewhere else yeah. that's leading to this issue in your knee. Knees, pains of all types, bring it on. We'll take your calls for the next half hour right here in the Dr. Pain Show Talk Radio, AM 640. Issues, be it knees or anything else, been a hot topic today. Everyone talking about knees and knee injuries. Necks are another big one. You're kind of... They, they can call for anything they yeah. need, any health concerns. Yeah, I'm, I'm in, I've am I'm in. i got some neck pain today. I likely think it's uh, 
probably the start of a mild disc herniation Perfect. going on. Yeah. Good times. Um, where I, at the gym that I work out at, uh, where I'm running, the TV is, is right above. And so, you know, my head's an extension when I'm running and, uh, you know, I should know better, but I guess everybody, uh, makes mistakes. And I think that's led to some issues, which, you know, that's an important point to highlight is that people often try to get active and in getting active, they sustain injuries. And then those injuries prevent them from being active further. Right. So, uh, you know, when you are feeling those low level aches and pains from uh, the activities that you're doing, you know, someone who's knowledgeable can help you figure out exactly what you may be doing that's aggravating. And at least if you can remove that aggravating factor, well, then you can keep going on with your exercise regimen or activity, whatever it is that you're doing. But I know that that's one of the biggest things. There's actually been research done that looks at, you know, after January First, the floodgates at gyms open up, and then what ends up stopping people from continuing to go is that, you know, they go from being very, very unhealthy or very, very inactive to now being inactive, and they sustain injuries. Yeah. Uh, and in sustaining those injuries, then that stops them from uh, uh, from being active. And that was similar to that caller that we had that was saying they hadn't played ball hockey in six months, and now next week they're going to go and they're going to go play in a tournament. That type of uh, difference in activity level, you know, you need to you need to gauge your way back into an activity. Uh, you know, some you may have a person who used to run five kilometers every mm -hmm. day, and then they, for whatever reason, they stop for ten years. They yeah. stop. Well, even if you stop, you know, to build strength and build endurance takes much longer than it takes to lose it. Right. Uh, so you know, you can have someone who's incredibly fit, and even after a few months they can lose so much of the endurance, mm -hmm. the strength that they've built, and you need to work your way back up. Uh, to the level that you were. You can't just go back out there and think, well, you know, two months ago, I used to run five kilometers at X amount of speed in X amount of time. You shouldn't be doing that. That's how injuries happen, especially as you get older and older. Uh, it's a little bit easier to get away when, you know, you're in your teens, your 20s. Once you start getting to 30, things start to happen. 40, definitely more things start to happen. And from there, it it, it continues to go on and on where, um, you know, those, those injuries are, are common. So, being active is very, very important, uh, and I just encourage everybody that when you are getting active, uh, that you gauge it appropriately, that you, you're not just that weekend warrior, uh, that you're unhealthy and then only healthy on the weekends, and, and try, try to you know, gauge it because that's how injuries happen, and it will, it will prevent you from continuing down that path that you wanted to be on. We always like those people at the gym because they come in, they pay for all the new equipment, and then you never see them again. Yeah, you never see them again. <laughs> They're yeah. like Kaiser Soze, gone. <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> They're out of there at that point, right? But yeah, it's true. You can't just jump in after being 10 years. It's like, you know, slapping a turbo on a 15-year-old Corolla and going to the track, right? You're not going to do it. Something's going to break, right? Yeah, that, So you got to be a little more so, careful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, I mean, your neck pain, you're a uh, what? You're a young guy, relatively. I don't relatively see any gray hair on you. 31. Yeah, so oh, there's yeah, a couple oh in there. A there's a couple in there. Um, yeah, no, I mean, there's no, no discrimination at what age pain. Mm -hmm. I said there's no discrimination where pain happens in the body. It also doesn't discriminate against age yep. it can start at any point and it's really i mean again it, it serves a purpose because it lets us know that something is wrong but oftentimes the injuries that we sustain are just due to where we wear and tear most and and everybody has their postural issues and and their weak points for sure we'll get to uh glenn on the line glenn good afternoon how are you pal uh quite well thank you and yourself excellent what's uh, what's happening with you well i'm a polio survivor i had polio when i was three mm-hmm and then I had an ankle fusion right. at eight. I have no muscle below the knee. Okay. And uh, 
I had a knee replacement because it had kind of worn out. Right. And after the knee replacement, I had a lot of inflammation, which is still there. Mm-hmm. My knee's quite swollen and extremely painful. I'm wondering if there's something wrong inside, and should I may have a should I possibly have an MRI to see what mm. the problem is. Yeah, I mean, uh, having an MRI, the good thing about MRIs is, uh, you know, there's no radiation to them. So from a risk-benefit uh, analysis, it's it's not going to hurt to have that. So that's definitely something that I would uh, suggest that, yeah, if you're still having issues to to go get it. Now, you have to understand with your with your history of, of the polio and the fused ankles, when, when joints are mobile, they're mobile for, for a reason. They need to be mobile. And once they're fused, you now eliminate an area that should be mobile. And what happens is other joints need to make up for that mobility. So in doing so, it makes sense why your knees would have become so severely degenerated right. because the next joint that can pick up that lost mobility is the knee. And we yeah. just said the knee is not really meant to be a very mobile joint. It's just meant to be a hinge joint. And as it becomes more mobile, it creates greater and greater degeneration. And as that happens... Uh, that's when you get to issues such as yourself where you need to get it replaced. How long ago did you get the knee replaced? Uh, nine months ago. Nine months. And there's still inflammation going on? It's quite swollen and painful, yes. Okay. Have you done the rehab that was suggested following did, the surgery? Yes. And it's still happening? that. And then I I had a, uh, a fall in the kitchen, mm. and the steel walker did hit the knee, but apparently no damage was done. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely, you know, your knee replacement is not the same as any other knee replacement because it's it's compounded with the polio and the fused ankles. And, and anytime there's more comorbidities going on, well, that always is going to diminish the prognosis of anything. And so, uh, you know, I, I would definitely encourage you that if it was nine months ago, definitely go follow up with the surgeon that, that did the surgery, have an MRI, figure out what's going on. Uh, there's obviously a reason why it's inflaming. It may not necessarily be due to damage in the replacement, but it might be due to something else. So, uh, and that, you know, the only way you'll figure that out is through proper assessment and, and imaging uh, that needs to be, uh, I guess, at this point ordered by the people who you've worked with uh, thus far. Now, the problem is, because of my age at 85, uh, do I go to the bottom of the list for an MRI? Not necessarily. I, um, have they made the referral for the MRI yet? They have, yes. Yeah, so how, and when is it scheduled for? I've never been contacted about it. I would then follow up with your doctor's office. Uh, sometimes, although they say they send it out, they may not have sent it out. Mm-hmm. The wait times for MRIs you know, it's not like anybody's getting an MRI, to, you know, if you get it ordered today, it's not happening tomorrow. But definitely if it was ordered, you should have probably been called a few weeks after with at the very least an appointment date. That appointment date may be, you know, in a few months, but at the very least the appointment should be made. So I, I would definitely follow up with your uh, with your doctor's office. Welcome to Canada. Uh, we'll take a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on Selmore. The Dr. Payne Show uh, coming up. Got 20 minutes, lots of time. Call in. We'd love to talk to you right here. Talk radio, AM 640. Info at paincarecanada.com. Dr. Lou on social. And to book that free consultation, one 855 doctor Lou. Been talking a lot uh, about the knee joint and joints in general today. That's amazing because you think the knee's probably a fine joint 300,000 years ago where all we did was walk and and run. We didn't go side to side playing tennis and hockey and rollerblading. It ain't made for that, right? 
Yeah, well, like I said, the 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 it's a hinge joint. It's meant to flex and extend, and any rotation and lateral bending component is not necessarily the best thing for it. However, uh, you know, it's the life that we have, and I'm not suggesting that people stop doing those things. Mm-hmm. I think the more important issue is that when these things start to, I always say it's it's when it's low level that you should be getting these things checked out because once it becomes high level is when it's much harder to treat. So if you have that low level chronic ache. In the knee, get it checked out because there's very, uh, you know, easy things that can be done early on that will prevent things from getting worse, for sure. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Ken, good afternoon. How's it going? Good, pal. What's happening with you? Uh, not much. Uh, about six years ago, I sustained an injury on, on my top of my thumb where I split my thumb open and uh, it cut the tendon. And I went went to the hospital and they reattached the, the tendon and put me in a cast, something like that. And but when I was in the cast, it pulled the bones too close together. Mm-hmm. So so now my thumb will bend. Okay. And, and uh, I was and it's, like I said, it's been six years, and I was just wondering if there's a surgery I could get to make my thumb bend again and make those bones come apart so I could bend. It's just the tip of my thumb. Well, you know, the, you'd have to look at it. The other thing, it's not just a consideration of the bone being too close at this point. Once. Uh, you have something for as long as you've had, your muscles get used to working a certain way. So even if if there is a way to create the space in the bone right now, what happens with the tendon and the muscles? Can they function the same as they once used to? It's, it's, it's a very difficult, I guess, question for me to answer over the phone. I would definitely have to look at, you know, assess the hand and also look at some imaging of it. Uh, and then I think it, it would probably be a surgeon's, uh, opinion there uh, what I'm trying to say is you might find a surgeon that says yes and you might find a lot that say no so uh, that's something that would have to be assessed and, and the individual case needs to be strongly considered so you know the one thing that I can tell you is that the body after a long period of time finds homeostasis uh, in anything and homeostasis you know once once you've not moved the thumb for six years it it probably wants to stay that way regardless of what you do so I don't know how successful it could be or would be, uh, you'd have to be willing to take the risk yourself because it may create other issues. So uh, definitely something that, you know, we can we can look at. There's, again, a couple of uh, hand surgeons that I work with that I that I could potentially refer you to to at the very okay. least have a consultation. So give us a call. Yeah, and I was just also wondering, too, am I going to like have like really bad pain and arthritis in my thumb because it's not moving for so long? Hmm. Well, Potentially, yes. I mean, anytime you sustain an injury somewhere, that area does tend to degenerate faster than other areas which have not sustained injuries. Uh, And, you know, degeneration at a certain point, once it becomes more severe, does lead to pain levels. Uh, You know, it depends. Over the last six years, has it gotten worse in terms of pain levels? No, it doesn't really. It doesn't hurt at all. Yeah, so then it may never hurt at all because, again, you're not doing anything with it. So if you're not doing anything with it, Maybe it's not going to hurt. But again, there'd be no way for anybody to say uh, absolutely whether it will or will not. It's it's going to essentially be you're going to have to see us is the best answer I can give you. Ken, just to have the uh, number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U and uh, Robert. Good afternoon. You got some ankle issues. What's going on? Yes. Good afternoon. Great show, guys. By the Thank way. You. Thanks, man. Um, li- listen, I wanted to, I had reconstructive surgery on my left ankle. Uh, they reattached my talofibular ligament. Mm-hmm. Um, they also uh, sh- took away some bone chips that I had in my ankle. Okay. Uh, June twenty seventh was a year since I've had surgery. Okay. Um, 
uh, physiotherapy helps quite a bit. It uh, loosens up my ankle, but I'm still experiencing pain on the top part of my ankle when I pull my foot up towards me. And it's still very stiff. Is there anything that I can do to alleviate that for not going on painkillers? Yeah, and I I think even going on painkillers is likely probably not going to be the best. I mean, anytime you have a complete reconstructive surgery, the one thing I guess that you may need to come to terms with is is it may never be the exact same as it was before. Because, I mean, we're pretty good at doing reconstructive surgeries, but we're at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're not creators and, and we can't make things like brand new. So I think anytime something like that is done. Uh, there's probably going to be a certain amount of pain that has to be uh, accepted. Having said that, I would also need to kind of see it and assess it to see where the lack of mobility is happening. So what you're saying is bringing your toes up towards the air is what really bugs you? Yes, bringing the foot upwards. I feel it right in the joint between where where my ankle is. My my surgery has gone great. I'm walking. I'm doing everything that I used to do. It's just that little pain that I'm, I'm dealing with. Yeah. So one of the things when you look at that, that action of bringing the toe upwards is called dorsiflexion. Um, You know, the muscles at the front of the leg, like the tibialis anterior, and those muscles are the muscles that cause that. But anytime you look at a part of the body, and I'll use, let me just talk a little bit about the upper extremity, because it'll be easier for people to understand. In order for me to flex my arm, I need to activate my bicep. But at the same time, neurologically, my tricep has to be deactivated in order to get there. Because if if my tricep was firing, I'd be in a tug of war. Um, And so what ends up happening is sometimes by working on the opposite end, so the calf musculature, specifically in your case, maybe doing some intense like release therapy in that area and stretching might create a little more mobility and dorsiflexion because now when those muscles at the front are trying to pull you up, you have less structures at the back that are fighting it. So that's it would need to be assessed. I'd have to look at how, how much tension there is maybe in the calf musculature, the Achilles, uh, and all the way up the chain, the hamstring, the glutes, because the fascial chains connect the whole way. So you can look from your perspective, I, I would guess that maybe working on the fascial chains might be able to help you a little. So g- give us a call and, and let's take a look at that. Okay, can okay. I ask you one more thing? Yep, uh, of course, ahead, yeah. Do you think that maybe scar tissue might be a factor in that kind of uh, um, that yeah. kind of inhibiting going back with my foot? Absolutely, yeah, for sure. But that doesn't mean scar tissue can't be broken down. A lot of the times when we see people who have whatever injury scar tissue forms you know 24 to 36 hours it starts anyways after any type of injury uh sometimes what we do is we actually break down tissue controlled um uh trauma in order to have scar tissue laid down in a different way so there are different uh low level techniques that can help break down uh if there is some uh type of scar tissue or there may not be. Again, I, uh, this is where doing the assessment is is very is so very important because it allows me to specifically assess you and figure out your exact situation. Okay, awesome. Okay, Great show, guys. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thanks you. Uh, thank you again, Robert. Tell one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U is that number. Info at paincarecanada.com. We got more time for phone calls. Uh, about another ten minutes or so. We'll take our last break. Get back. I want to talk about your consultation and the. Uh, and the rest of stuff that goes on in the office uh, outside of the show. More of the Dr. Payne Show coming up. Talk radio, AM 640. You can slide it in there in the next few minutes. 416-870-6400. <laughs> star 640 on sell the phone call. Okay. Yeah, nice I'm, grin. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> we got Julia laughing too. That's yeah, that type of show. You know, it's about pain. Um, the assessment. 
and yes. the free consultation. But well, no, I've been let, talking about it every break. Give me some details. Yeah, so very, very simple. I get tons of calls every week, and that's what I want. It's a free consultation. Call one 55 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U. Leave me a message. I'm going to call you back. We're going to have a quick discussion. If your issue is something that I believe I can assess and my team can likely help with, I will ask you to come in for an assessment. Okay. When you come in for the assessment, it's $45. I, I, people may say, oh, healthcare should be free. The value that you're going to get. I had a, a, a lady that came in this week who brought her daughter in uh, to see me. I think it must have been four or five months ago. And this week brought in her mom to see me. And she sat there saying, you know, you're the only person that takes the time to explain things. They, a lot of people already come in with a diagnosis mm -hmm. or with paperwork that says a diagnosis. They just don't understand it because nobody sat there and explained it to them. I'm going to take a lot of time, as much time as it needs. I, I don't even have a preset amount of time. On average, it's about an hour. Some people may be a little bit quicker because uh, the issue is not as complex. And some people may be longer because it's very complex. But I'm going to sit there. We're going to do a full assessment. That assessment is going to include a full history of everything that's going on with you. Full physical exam, review of any relevant documents. If you have relevant documents... Please bring them in. It helps me to make my choice or my decision, my final decision. And then if I think you need more more testing, you know, an x-ray or something like that, you're going to be sent for it. Then we're going to come up with a plan of management. The plan of management is how do you get better or how do you manage your issue? Uh, and, you know, people that are coming, they absolutely love it and they're getting better just because they're getting good information. And I, you know, I'm tooting my own horn here, but you know, come come figure it out for yourself. Just start with that free phone call. Just give me a call. Let's have a discussion about whatever's going on. Hey, George, good afternoon. What's going on with you? Oh, a bunch of stuff. I can't believe it. Uh, survivor on car accidents and uh, slip and falls and surgeries. And I don't know really where to start. I'll wow. start from the top of my head. Um, um, 1990, I had a car land on top of me. Uh, uh, with uh, then the doctor said I had some degenerated disc, but I think it was cracked. Eh? They, I never had a CAT scan on it, and then years later, uh, I get in an accident uh, at work, and they send me through CAT scans, and they find out 25 years later, oh, your your uh, your spine's bent. Uh, you maybe could have had a C1, C2 crack. All this stuff. Like when you deal with insurance and compensation, it's a nightmare. And then I had a slip and fall, which uh, I. Uh, was out cold um <clears throat> i uh blew a hernia and then you know all the neck and back uh back of the head and damage and then right after that i get in uh after my hernia surgery when i had that done then i get two weeks later i get in a car accident man you're a tough dude <laughs> i played a lot of hockey and football and it pissed me off like wow. you know it ended my career believe yeah. me the first one in my career so i was going for the cats true story i should write a book about it but uh <laughs> anyways i just want to ask you like from all that pain, um, like you get, okay, you still had DD, uh, degenerate disc, and then arthritis kicked in, and when you when your spine heals crooked or whatever, like it's it's pr pretty well done, right? Well, like you're not, you're not going to start straightening that out. Now I'm thinking, you know, for chiropractors, if you have degenerated disc, that means you're deteriorating. So whatever he's going to do, he's probably going to make it worse. Well, not necessarily. I mean. Uh, it, it, this is where the assessment matters, right? Like a lot of people will just kind of pick what they think they need in terms of therapy, but that's where listening to a professional who, you know, suggests what you need 
uh, is potentially going to help. Chiropractic manipulation is very good when there's facet joint irritations going on. If if that's your issue, then then that's going to help tremendously. If, if the issue is due to something different, then other interventions are going to help. So I don't think that anything specifically will make it better or worse. It's, it's something that needs to be assessed. What I can also tell you from a chronic pain perspective with what's going on uh, with you because of the amount of injuries that you've had, there's going to be very, very little uh, that we have disposable from a physical perspective to make tremendous difference. In, in patients such as yourself, what becomes so very important is the psychological uh, treatment, changing the, the thought patterns and the cognitive behavior therapy, which actually has a much greater impact on pain levels. So that may be something for you to consider uh, as well, is, 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 is uh, trying to treat your pain from a psychological level because of how severe your injuries were from the physical perspective and how long they've been with your body. It yeah. will be very hard to change the physical yeah. things going on. Yeah, and another thing I forgot to say uh, when I was at work too. Besides that, uh, the slip and fall before that had a uh, had, a, had a, a truck blow up in my face. So I had to deal with a concussion G-force blast with a big truck tires blowing up. I tried to put the fire out; they're just popping like popcorn. So I'm also dealing with that. So I think it's just everything combined. Like the, the doctors can only do so much. Like exactly what you said. So I just got to moderate. I guess moderate, and you know. Well, you, you again, you're, like you're, I'm lucky. I look at this. I'm lucky to be alive. I shouldn't whine, but I look at people that are in paraplegic states and wheelchairs. So they're my pain. When I look at those people kind of goes away, but when, once I go away from them, then it all comes back. But when I see that guy that can't move, I'm thinking I'm a lucky guy with all those injuries I have. So I don't know. George, you remind me of super Dave Osborne back in the eighties. Remember that? <laughs> Uh, Till next weekend, the Dr. Payne Show Talk Radio, AM 640.